All right, Dad, welcome back. Talking it's Church. Great to be back. It's been a while. It has. Um, but last time we were going to talk about delegation, we ended up talking about Gifts of the Spirit. We've had uh, some great episodes at General Council with Martha Tennyson, Mike Burnett. Um, now we're back here. I had a great episode last week with Mike McDonald, but it's great to be with you today. And we thought of what topic to talk about. And we said rather than doing one topic, let's change it up and do a little bit of a rapid fire thing. And so I You're pulled- trying to get me in trouble. Yeah. All right. uh, you know, we're trying to give the people what they want, but River, we have a podcast called the River Valley Podcast. It's for our church. And so we went through a lot of the questions we get. Pastor Kirk and I lead that every single week, but we said some of those questions I think are relevant for this audience as well. This audience is not just our church, but it's a lot of different churches, different pastors, leaders. So I have a bunch of questions for okay. you and you can go as long or as short as you want, but I want to get through as many as we can. But I think a lot of people wonder you're busy, you travel, you fly on planes all the time. You're not only speaking at River Valley pretty much every weekend, but you're also speaking at other uh, events and other conferences, things like that. So how do you prepare? What is What does a rhythm typically look like for you when you're preparing for a sermon that I would say, let's say is not in a sermon series, like if it's a one-off? Because a sermon series, maybe you could talk about the two, sure. but how do, you, how do you prepare for a sermon? Uh, well, first, before I even do that, I want to say... Uh, as I travel, people do listen to this, the podcast, and they're like, I listen, I love it, I got ideas, and thanks for being transparent. So it is fun to do this. And yeah, uh, listenership has tripled this year. Has it really? Yeah. That's very good. So uh, so I, I just realized that I'm not just talking into the air, like people are really listening. So um, I, I want to say this, like my sermons start, they come out of my time with the Lord, just doing my soap, scripture, observation, application, prayer. And I have a couple pages that say sermon ideas. And what I've started to do now is when I get a sermon idea, I just start writing it. And then next to it, I write sermon, you know, and, and circle it. So then I can page through it and say, what was the Lord speaking to me? So that's where it starts, sermon ideas. And then, uh, and that's coming right out of reading the word of God. And it, sometimes it's an idea for a series. Sometimes it's an idea for a sermon. Uh, and I write as much as I can in that moment. And then I typically start a file on my phone, take a picture of that page. So I've typed in and the picture, and then I add to it as I get new ideas, because as soon as you start thinking about it, you're like, oh, that works with the harvest too. And you write that out. And then, oh, that, that thing just said the harvest. Like, um, oh, where did it, you know, uh, I did uh, bold. Remember I said bold month and I was in the Indianapolis airport and I saw a picture with William Shatner and it said boldly go. And I took a picture with it. It's just like, cause once you start talking about something, it gets in your brain. And once you start thinking about it, it gets there. So I want a file to add to. Then um, before we could afford this, I would ask a couple people in the church, hey, I'm preaching on this or I want to do this sermon on this. Give me your insights and thoughts, anything you've got. A couple of people had master's degrees in theology, but went on and did other careers. Uh, one was a comedian uh, and, and I'd asked for their input to series. Now that we are, are larger and can afford it, I actually have somebody that will I'll give them the topic, the text or whatever, and say, do research. And then I will get like a 15 page research paper on the text, the topic or whatever, week by week. And we had Paul on the podcast a, a Oh, while okay. Ago. So people, yeah, yeah. would know. Uh, and so I'm getting that uh, weekly 
but I'm also doing my own. And then if there's any books that are recommended, uh, you know, I, you, again, you start seeing a book, you're, oh, I noticed that. Uh, and so I'll read a couple books. I'll read old sermons. And what I say by old sermons, I mean people that are old and gone and dead. And I read those old sermons and there's so much good there. And it's usually theologically rich, but uh, poor cultural context, if that makes sense, but theologically rich. And so I'm looking but for- But some of Spurgeon's commentaries, it's almost like it could have been written today. today. Yeah. I actually thought one time, I thought you could almost start a church and call it uh, the Spurgeon Sermon Church. And you literally could read a Spurgeon sermon for the sermon every day. And I bet you people would love it. I bet you they would flock there because sometimes he's ripping the skin off of people. <laughs> I mean, really? No, he's like, you know, how dare you call yourself a Christian? You know, uh, and you're so after money. I mean, it's just like, wow. So, but so I'll read the old school sermons. I'll read the books, how the research going on. I'll have a file of my own. It's usually started out of the devotion. And then I'm working on that all the time and on an airplane. I remember one time I was working on my sermon on an airplane and this guy goes, Hey, whatever you were doing all this whole flight, like I could feel like a goodness coming off of you. Like he couldn't tell, like it was literally like the presence of God. Like during the sermon time, I was so into it. He's like, I could feel like a goodness coming off of you. So I'll do it on a, I'll, I'll do an airplane. Uh, I'll study at home. Uh, you should see our kitchen counter and your mom is after me. She's like, you know, do you have to use the kitchen counter? You have this beautiful office. I'm like, yeah, but this is the center of the house. And she's like, it's just the two of us, you know, she you, wants to watch Dateline probably, you know, she's <laughs> like, put your headphones in. Um, so, but so I had just all this that I'm accumulating and then usually, and what's funny is good illustrations can be added at the last minute up until 10 minutes before the service. I'm even looking for a good illustration. Yeah, I mean, your process, so you'll, you'll, you have this work that you do all beforehand, and I know I'm cutting in here, but I know it pretty well. Yeah. Um, you, you go to the church, you typically get there four hours before, you know, again, the sermon is kind of out there everywhere. You have notes about it, research is done, right. everything, and you compile it all together right before our Saturday night service, so right. typically getting there around noon, and then writing it out, you have an assistant that types it for you, yep. and then you print it, and then even after it's printed, you now have a pen again, and you're literally on the front row, you are reworking it. What is your mindset when you're on the front row, when the sermon's already been printed, the research's already done, but you're you're still writing and changing it? What's your mindset there? Uh, I'm thinking three things. Does this make sense? Does it flow smoothly? And will this connect with people? You know, because there's so much there. And so I'm like, does it make sense? Does it, does this flow? Like, is that a rough transition? I need a new, I need a better transition to get from there to there. And then I'm like, does this connect? I feel like it just might need a little more. And my mind's going a hundred miles an hour looking for something. And I don't want to use the same illustration I've always used, you know, so I'm looking for a new thing that adapts. And then I can tell you this, I'm leaving 80% of any sermon unpreached. I mean, there's more content. I could get done with a sermon 
and go right to camera and go, all right, here's the stuff I didn't put in the sermon. Here comes another half hour, hour, hour and a half of all the things I thought about putting in there, but I didn't. You've always been pretty clear on that with you edit on the fly, even as you're preaching it. And maybe for pastors who are listening, who are maybe the type of person that feels like, well, I got to get to that point or I got to get to that point, but then they end up going a lot longer than they would have hoped. How did you reconcile that as a pastor to say, I have to honor the time that is important and sometimes more important than finishing your points? Yeah, I. my dad used to always say, always leave them wanting more. Always leave them wanting more. And he used to end every Bible study. He always hosted Bible study at our house. And he'd say, like, okay, it's 8.30, we're done. And they're like, oh, there's so much more. And he's like, no, nah, it's 8.30. I promise that we'd end by 8.30 and we're done. Let's, we're, let's wrap up in prayer. And they're like, ah. And he's like, always leave them wanting more because he said preachers tend to preach it, re-preach it, preach it a third time, preach it a fourth time, and then summarize it. And he's like, and it's all in the same sermon. And he's like, and they're like, we got it. You should have ended like at the, and then they start dreaming of spots where you should have ended, which would have made it the perfect sermon, but you kept going. So I, I want to be respectful of the time. And then I, and then I'm looking like, can I just say this point and they're going to have to fill in the story themselves? Is it logical enough? Can I tell the story and then quick say the point and then go on? Uh, can, how can I streamline? Like there are people that tell stories and they backfill the story too long. Like the other day I was going to the store. Well, I wasn't going to the store. It was more the gym, but in, cause I go to the gym three days a week, mostly on like Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then I work out. And then I like one day's leg day, one day's arms and one day's the, and then, okay. So it was the gym that I was going to. And, and you're I just, like, I just shared that on, I shared my breakout a couple weeks ago on the podcast and I shared like that exact same thing. You're just like, yeah. people don't need it. Yeah. They, they need the story to make sense and be fast enough and engaging enough. And so I'm like, what can I cut out of this? And I've learned that it's better to say the points. You've got to do this, got to do this, got to do this and boom, land the plane. Um, or I'll, go through the points and I'm going to land strong and I want to save enough time at the end. But you get good after a while. And I never pre-preach like your mom, my wife, she preaches the whole sermon with a clock start and preaches to a mirror, does it, times it. Okay. I need four more minutes of content. I never do that. I kind of know what it is and, and I edit on the fly and, and that's your personality. Yeah. Um, that's been super helpful. I, you, I, even though I know some of that, that's that's awesome. I'm sure people listening, that's helpful for them, whether they're preaching a sermon or just curious about how your process is. Want to get to some of the tougher questions. Yes, that was easy. What do you think about legalized drugs? Marijuana in Minnesota is now legal. They're trying to figure those things out in other states uh, in the north. Some of that's been legal. Some of the states in the south, that's still illegal. Uh, maybe those listening in Canada or other countries say drugs are legal, maybe even hard drugs. But Drugs that are illegal, again, we'll set aside illegal drugs that those are wrong, they're against the law, you're breaking the law. But if it's legal for you to do, what is your response to Christians who say, Pastor Rob, it's legal, it's just like alcohol, alcohol is legal, you can do it in moderation. What would you say to someone like that? Yeah, and it's interesting that you say that because just because something's legal doesn't mean it's moral or right. Like it's legal to have sex before marriage, it's immoral according to the word of God. So I think we've got to go back to the word of God and say, what does the word of God have to say about this? 
And the different words used for any drug use in there um, is really prohibitive that you would not be using drugs in a recreational sense. I mean, I guess the closest one that I could think of just right at the top of my head, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. It's talking about intoxication, you know, not just uh, a moderate drink, but it's talking about intoxication, using the alcohol to get you to an altered state. But it's actually saying be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, and there are pro it's prohibited to do these things that would alter your spirit, alter your mind. These things are like when people say, I went on an excursion and I did these mushrooms or whatever. It might be legal, but it, it's it's not moral for you to do that. Um, and so that would be my stance. And uh, people could argue, well, you know, uh, marijuana's no. I've had one guy argue with me. He said, marijuana's no worse for you than Coca-Cola. And I said, really? Like Coca-Cola will make me fat, but marijuana way different, you know? And so, and I, I don't have a problem with people that legitimately are using pharmaceuticals for medical, like that's legal, you know, but, um, I was in California not that long ago and I golfed a couple days while I was out there and I just, I'll golf with anybody. I didn't have a foursome. It's just me and I, they partner me with everybody. And I kid you not, First day I'm there, the guy's, do you mind if I smoke some weed? He goes, it's medicinal. Uh, uh, okay, probably not in the cart with me. It would be better, like, not in the cart, you know. And You go to the conference, you're at smelling like weed. Yeah. You're like, wow, and then up. <laughs> I golf the next day, the guy goes, hey, do you mind if I smoke weed? It's medicinal. I was like, hmm, two for two. Third day, <laughs> kid you not. Hey, do you mind if I smoke weed? It's medicinal. I mean, everybody was Three like, different people. Yeah, three different people. I was like, it, everybody in California needs medicinal weed. Uh so, but I, I, I don't think we need to alter our state. I don't think that we need to do that. I think it is prohibitive to uh, have any involvement, whether it's um, uh, chemicals, uh, alcohol, whether it's uh, supernatural. We're not supposed to alter our state in that way. We're supposed to stay uh, with a sober mind and we're supposed to renew our mind. And uh, people say, what about chronic pain? Well, there are legal remedies. I mean, I had major chest surgery and I had morphine when I was having this major chest surgery. Um, so there's legal and there's illegal. So if some, I mean, in a legitimate medical case, I know Max aunt um, had seizures and mm -hmm. they prescribed her marijuana to help with some of her, or her like shaking and things like that. Like, would you say to a, a believer i don't know that she was a believer but would you say to somebody who has that type of thing that they could i mean opioids are subscribed to people after surgery right and i've just seen so many people that get in trouble with opioids that i would try to get off them as fast as possible but i mean here's my thing i think even paul says to timothy have a little wine for your stomach like there's a stomach issue going on and this is going to help you um so there is medicinal purposes there's nothing wrong with medicinal, but I mean, come on, like three for three, the guy's golfing <laughs> with me, medicinal purpose. Yeah, while week, you're golfing, yeah. You know, but it's a real thing. Like even, you know, I sit on the executive presbytery and they were discussing like, what do we do about vaping? Right. Like, and I was like, do we have a position on vaping? You yeah. know, I was like, I, you well, know. I mean, what would you say? I mean, I, I think people would be interested like that, CBD, things that are kind of the notch down. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I don't mean to put you on the spot. No, I my, think thing on, my thing on vaping was I think you're being destructive to your health. And I kind of put vaping in the same category of other destructive 
to your health. Um, it's not, it, it doesn't show a life of self-control. It doesn't show a, a maturity to a life with, I mean, most people I see vaping, you know, you don't, you don't see the president, you know, like vaping. You don't see like leaders vaping. I mean, maybe they do in private, but I'm just saying, you know, but I'm just saying you don't see. Uh, uh, doesn't lead to the abundant life. It doesn't like lead to the abundant yeah. light. And that that's what I said about marijuana, which by the way, I listened to the guy that talked about sleep and marijuana on Joe Rogan. And Rogan was like bumming because the guy's like, nope, nope. Yeah, Rogan's a big proponent of. Of marijuana. And yeah. this dude was like, nope. You're wrong. You're stealing from your body. You're stealing from your sleep. You'll never regain it. It's bad. Sorry, dude. It's medically proven. It's not good. You know. Um, and the other thing is, I'm not trying to escape anything on this earth. I'm trying to enjoy Jesus, and I'd rather be one moment in His presence, changing everything. Right. That. But again, getting back to the person that's suffering from chronic pain, if it legitimately is alleviating the chronic pain, I'm going to pray for healing. I'm going to do whatever I need to to eliminate that chronic pain. I mean, I've used other legal painkillers. I mean, I had poison ivy once all over my body and I got prednisone and prednisone like healed me from it. It, it. So I didn't say like, oh, that's why did I do that legal prescription drug? But I will say this, if I was hyper without it, I was 10 times more hyper with it. And I went to my doctor, I said, that was incredible. I got more work done in seven days of my life. I was like, so alert. I said, what do you got to do to get more of that? He goes, yeah, see, we wean you off of that. And that's, you know, I mean, so I don't want to live that way of trying to need something to elevate me. I'm going to use, uh, I'm going to lean into the presence and power of God to do it. And I don't think it leads to the abundant life, but pain, I'm, I'm going to say uh, discernment, yeah. discernment, uh, do what's right. And I'm going to say opioids are incredibly dangerous. I mean, there's too many people dying from that. You should try everything else possible beside that. And if you have a problem, maybe there's somebody listening right now that uh, is having trouble, get help. See, this is the wake-up call that we even covered this topic that you need to get help in Jesus' name. Uh, it, it's too dangerous. It's too dangerous. Mm -hmm. No, it's good. I, I think it's something that people, they weigh, and it's a good reminder for us to what what you're grabbing a hold of, I think, at times. I don't see people who are grabbing a hold of Jesus with both hands, you know, following after the what he has, and then they say, well, no, like these things are a big part of my life and that have led me towards what God is asking me to do. Oftentimes they divert, and of course there's a lot of like um, – different research around the gateway drug, whether it is or whether it I isn't. I got hammered for that. I yeah. got, I, I, I did a tweet uh, against the governor, which, you know, every time I do that, you and everybody else is like, Ugh. but I just was so angry because he's like, finally, Minnesota is going to legalize marijuana like we should. And I said, that's the gateway drug. It's, it doesn't lead to the abundant life. Man, people hammered me. Yeah, I, and I then that. and then in my defense would be like I have lunch with the director of the largest Teen Challenge drug and rehab program in America. Okay, he and I have lunch together on a quarterly basis. I asked him. I said, "What's what? Where does their drug problem start?" He goes, "Marijuana, marijuana." And he goes, "I am so opposed to marijuana. Marijuana is the gateway drug." And it, but and this is not like my neighbor who's just shooting off his mouth at the back of the yard. This is the guy that runs the largest. He goes, you talk to anybody in there. Mm -hmm. It's the first thing they do. It's the first thing that desensitizes them to the dangers of drugs. And he goes, every one of them will tell you that in their testimony, in their story. And he's like, so he goes. Yeah, and it's, it's almost the, from a research standpoint, the addictive nature of it or the scientific side, I think people are trying to prove 
well, no, this is not the case. But if you see it in actuality, right, in the in the real world of, well, for all the people or most of the people that are in these treatment programs that are in prison for drug dealing or drug use, if they were a user, it starts there, you right. know? And so it's like, okay, you may say it's not the addictive nature, it's not the same as those other drugs, but how does that always lead to that, right. right? It's very rarely does someone immediately start on a pill or it's not as rare as others. Of course, we believe in treatment programs and we support them. Yep. Um, moving to a different topic, you, know, you talked about the governor and some people ask the question, how long until Christianity is illegal? And I think some Christians around the world from other countries would laugh at us and say, oh, you guys do not realize how good you have it. But then other people might say it's starting to get the country's starting to change. And what I was used to, maybe what you grew up with from Christianity, even when you started in pastoring 30 plus years ago when you said you were a pastor, people maybe thought that was an upstanding thing to do. Now in the city we live in, it's not always looked on positively. So how far do you think we're from that? I mean, we could spend a long time on that, but your quick thought on how far are we from from maybe the things of God or following after him becoming illegal? Um, I don't know that we're close to it. I just think that there's going to be infringed upon and then the pressure, like I'll never forget when the governor said this during uh, the COVID lockdown, he said, we were counting on social pressure to shut you down. Okay. That's a strong statement. And I think the world is counting on social pressure to silence your voice. Like, and so I think that's the issue. Will the social pressure silence you? And then there may be a court case against you, but praise God, our constitution right now allows us to fight that. And the Supreme Court uh, being conservative and logically interpreting the constitution according to my understanding of it uh, protects us. But that doesn't mean you don't have a battle. So is it? Is it? I just don't think it's going to be outlawed. I think it's going to be social pressure that tries to shut you down like, and they're going to say, you're in a wrong brand of Christianity. You need to be in the affirming, um, anything goes, uh, nothing is a sin, Jesus is my homeboy, whatever. If you're in that group, you're fine. But if you're in the, the word of God is the guide for our life, this is a sin, this is wrong, the social pressure and then the antagonism, like you can bury people in lawsuits and destroy them and they still have their rights, but they lose their rights because of the process. Right. I think that's more of the fear that I have than it is the, you won't be able to, or um, it might be hate speech. They might deem part of the Bible hate speech. Sure. So I don't, th I think we're a long way from completely losing it. I think we're, an election or two away from being in trouble. Every, like, again, using Minnesota as an example that's talked about now that uh, the Democrat Party is planning to do assisted suicide. So we've gone to abortion at any time, and now it's going to be assisted suicide. And I, I saw this argument. People said, oh, so you're against being compassionate. And and I love the response this guy said. He said, murder's not compassionate like we like god takes life we we don't want to take people's lives so on on that note you know you mentioned life and a lot of there's a lot of debate in around abortion and life and the assisted suicide conversation the death penalty is often brought up it's like if you're really pro-life you wouldn't believe in the death penalty 
Um, I think the assisted suicide thing is odd because it seems to be counter to the, or it, it seems to kind of insinuate the point, like you're, you are for death, not life, right? Um, why do you think as Christians, why do you think that topic specifically abortion is, is not as clear as you would expect it to be? And again, I mean, we're this podcast, you've been pretty outspoken. If you follow him on Twitter, you know, he's pretty conservative. You stand no for, you stand for life, you're pro-life anti-abortion really is maybe a better way to put it. Um, why do you think Christians are so divided on this to where maybe if you talk to them in person, they, they might agree with you, but it's not as, it's not as concrete as you, as again, I would think it would be in Christianity. I think they've been educated, isolated, and, uh, insulated against abortion. Like, like, They've been educated that like, hey, it's a woman's right to choose. It's a clump of cells. It's this. They've been isolated away from it and insulated that like when I ask people, have you ever seen a picture of an abortion? Most people will say no. Like even when I offered our staff a free, I pay their movie tickets and popcorn and everything to go see the movie uh, that was pro-life. There was, was a- the one with the Gosnell or yeah about God's planned or I don't know if that was I, I forget yeah. the name of it yeah. but I said I'll pay for anyone on staff vast majority didn't even take me up on it and there are other people like ooh I just can't see it these are people that are in our church that know how conservative I am that I was offering to pay their way and they wouldn't even go like so most people have never seen a picture of it we're we're shielded from it you you never see a movie about it you never see a botched one you never see you know what i'm saying and 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 it's all like isolated insulated and educated and then you're made to seem like you're an evil person if you don't want and and then the most extreme examples are used and there's arguments that are out there um and and the argument like so you're gonna say a person doesn't have a choice a person that was uh, a a 13 year old girl that was molested by her dad doesn't have a choice you know and it's the worst of the worst and my response to that is i would hate to make another uh mistake or uh, evil thing on top of another one you know and then you have christians that are like well god's for free will and you've got whole swaths of Christianity saying the God I serve allows you to make your own choices. And, and you're like, well, he does. He lets you choose to go to hell. And he says, I put before you life and death, choose life. So we, we do want to present people with a better choice. So I just think that you've got a whole, um, group of churches that are doing it. You've got this education, isolated, insulated, and the media is pro-abortion. Um, and then th- this is the strangest thing to me. I just never believe that political parties, like literally it's like 99% of the Democrat party is pro-abortion and 99% of the Republican party is, and I'm sure there are, you know. I'd say like 70. Okay, but, but 70 versus, <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah, 70, versus 70 right, is yeah. against it and uh, 99 yeah, yeah. is for it. Right, right. I mean, and I've never seen anything like that. I've never seen that the moral issues are so affiliated with a political party. If you want to say stop being political, I would say to the political parties, stop being religious, you know, because they're just jumping in religion. But anyways, so I think that's why. And then again, that peer pressure, that social pressure, because you're seen as like you're an evil person. And I said this to a politician. They were asking, like, what should I do? And I said, I think you should say, except for in the case of rape, incest, or the health of the mother, you're opposed to abortion. They said, but I'm opposed to it all the time. I said, I understand. 
but it's not a church you're leading, it's a country you're leading. And I said, I think you could get that win right there, but I don't think you can get the zero win. And I said, now I'm with you. I wouldn't want anybody to do it. I'm just trying to help you as a political leader. Where do I think you could get the win, you know? And so it, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard because on one hand, it's like, well, you're compromising on your beliefs. But then the other hand, it's like, well, if you don't do that, then it's going to be legal up until 20 weeks and yeah. nothing's going to change. So it's like I, I, I don't I, I don't know. envy that position that they're in. Um, oh, I had another thing on this. In my study on the blood when I was doing the Life is, Life is in the Blood sermon, um, interesting. Like think about it. Your blood, your lungs bring in oxygen and the oxygen goes into your blood and your blood flows the oxygen through your body. Because I had somebody argue with me once. They're not a baby until they have the breath of life in them. They're using Adam and Eve, the breath of life. Well, I said, well, I think amniotic fluid is really their breathing and that fluid is the breath of life in a liquid form. And then they they were like, okay, so until they're breathing amniotic fluid. Well, the research that I found, like really blood is the life defining thing, not air, mm -hmm. it's blood. And so the moment that there's cells with blood, does that make sense? Yeah. And so I'm like, no, the moment there's blood, it's in that way that it's life with blood that is alive, it's life. It's, it has nothing to do with breath, amniotic fluid, nothing. It, it's way early. You know? We had a series too far from the farm that we just did, and that's what you're referencing, that, yeah. that message. I think in some ways it's not just too far from the farm. We were talking about all the other things we do, too far from this, too far from that. But I do think in some ways it's too far from the full understanding of how God made us and our identity. Again, you talk about the blood the whole cycle of life and life being taken and with Cain and Abel in the beginning of that and and how that, I mean, the, that be, the began the curse, again, the sin, and then this immediate murder. It's like it's always been this battle for life. And so it's not surprising to me that this is an issue. Again, it's, it's horrifying to me that it is, yeah. but I think it's not surprising that it is. The last question here before we close, how much control do you think Satan, the enemy, has in our lives Obviously, he doesn't have the final say. He doesn't have the victory. But how much control do you think is is the enemy's attacks against us versus our own free will that God gives us? Maybe it's a blend. What what would you? How would you process that? Yeah, because I mean, people have said it's the world, the flesh, and the devil that is fighting. Like my own flesh fights against my spiritual growth, and I have to crucify the flesh, you know. And I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live not yet I, but Christ lives in me. You know, I present my body as a living sacrifice. So my own flesh is fighting against me. The pressures of the world are fighting against me. Uh, and the enemy, of my soul, is fighting against me. So let's put that over there in the spiritual, supernatural. Uh, devil, demonic, whatever. Um, I always think that they're planting thoughts and those thoughts are trying to give birth to actions. And so the enemy's trying to, and that's why Corinthians talks about take every thought captive. And I think this, so there's, I think there's a constant attack on my thought life and I've got to learn to take those thoughts captive that um, I, I'm going to ignore them. I'm going to literally acknowledge them and say, I take authority over you and cast them down. Um, I shared years ago in a sermon about my own thought life that if I have a picture or a thought or something that's ungodly and I'm trying to get rid of it, I actually like take a, in my mind, it's like the weirdest thing. I put a black piece of paper over it 
and I hit it out of my mind. And if it shows up again, I put a black piece of paper over it, kick it out of my mind. So I'm trying to take authority and 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 then I, I start to dwell on good things because uh, Philippians talks about, think about the things that are lovely, good, you know, and so I'm like, okay, I, if I keep thinking, don't think that, don't think that, don't think that, don't think, I'm going to think it. So I'm like, I'm going to take the thought captive and I start thinking of God, this is what I want to think about. This is who I want to be. This is what I think about. And I want to move on. Um, so I think there's a lot of pressure that's out there. And I think it's more real um, than we realize. And um, well, we're reading through Second uh, Kings right now in our soap for scripture, observation, application, prayer. And uh, I love when Elisha says about his servant, open his eyes, Lord, and let him see that there's more with us than, you know, and all of a sudden he gets a glimpse of the supernatural. And as I was reading that, I was like, it's so much more real than we realize. And it's mm -hmm. filled with supernatural, like there's supernaturals going on all around us. And we just, so I think it's there. But I also think we, if we give in, we want to have a convenient blame, like, ah, it wasn't me, there was outside forces exerting pressure on me, you know, supernaturally. And so we have an obligation to take authority. We have an obligation to resist. We have an obligation to run. We have a uh, greater he that's in you than he that's in the world. Um, God's always providing a way of escape. And so, yes, all of that is going on um, in varying degrees of intensity, but it doesn't give you permission to fall. It doesn't give you permission to give in and or to even run sometimes the attack will cause you to be in fear and back off from your mission you stay on mission you 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 find the ability to fight against it but do i think there's a ton i think i think it's everywhere and we have to challenge our thoughts but um i'm not gonna look for a demon behind every bush or every you know what i mean but i'm gonna challenge my thoughts and i think if we could get better at that. Like, where did this thought originate from? Is that really me? Or did that thought get planted by some outside force that put that thought in there? You know? Yeah. So yeah. that's super helpful. It's, it's practical, but it's real. And next week talking with Joe Anderson about, uh, about the demonic. Oh, that's and, next week. Yeah. And how real that is. And can I just say that. this? I was there, like yeah. I was there for all the things that he's going to talk about. Like I, I was there with his son. I was there like with so many of these things and, and like I saw these things with my own eyes and none of that traveled in India and all over. So it's very real, okay? And I can vouch for him. Like even with his book yeah. in the foreword, I'm like, it's all real. It really happened. It's yeah. true. It's, yeah. I saw it. It's true. Yeah, well, I'm excited that we got a chance to sit down. Hopefully we do it again soon. Excited for next week with Joe and just the growth that we see in this. Hopefully it's a blessing to all those who listen. And thank you as always for your time. It was a pleasure.